Thank you for listening to this Podcast One Sportsnet production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Now is the chance to use reliable energy to grow your money with the Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. Our new investment product offers competitive returns, no maintenance fees, and flexible online access to your money. Make the reliable investment in reliable energy. The Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. To find out more, go online to reliabilityinvestment.com. That's reliabilityinvestment.com. Have you been wanting to lose weight and get healthy? Now's the perfect time to start Nutrisystem. Enjoy your favorite foods made healthier, delivered free to your door. Right now, you can get Uniquely Yours Ultimate, our most complete foolproof plan at an amazing price. Order today and save 50%, plus get an extra $40 off. Go to Nutrisystem.com slash save and discover what millions of people already know. Nutrisystem works. Limitations apply. See website for full offer details. With the start of baseball season, Podcast One Sports Net has all your bases covered. Get your fix with home run shows like The Dan Patrick Show, The Rich Eisen Show, and Baseball and Chill. Don't miss new episodes of these shows and more all summer long on Podcast One Sports Net. The April 11th edition of the PFF Forecast, we've got uh, more mean tweets. You found nice tweets, which is always refreshing. We've got a little uh, Cowboys free agent signing discussion, some O-line stuff, an unstable stat of the week, and, of course, our team review, which is this week, the Buffalo Bills. Yes. Oh, and we have some YMCA, some Cincy YMCA talk as well. So uh, let's rock. Let's rock. All right, uh, mean tweets. You found nice ones. Yeah, I mean, we've done a good job on the podcast, oh. I think, recently. Especially you, having yeah. you know turned a new leaf on new life. Leaf. Um, however, uh, W.L. Gasbara, you hack garbage. You can't do this game and say, I got nothing when a team comes up. I think referring to the over on the Bears. Mm-hmm. Um, just say Mitch improves and the Vikings line doesn't. Oh, an angry Bears fan. Uh, yeah, I mean, I haven't heard one of those. Uh, my favorite are the people that are like, ah, you guys are idiots because you think Mitch didn't play well last what week. What about insanely fresh, referring to the Lions last week's uh, team? It's simple. The games we gave the ball to carry on, we won and lost the other games. Even when we had a healthy carry on Johnson, he wouldn't get the ball enough, which has to change this season. I hope the Lions are listening. Bill Z. The Lions are not taking a cornerback in round one, especially Greedy, who makes zero, zero effort to tackle. Zero effort to tackle. No. Lions will take Ed Oliver in round one. You've heard it here first. Ed Oliver, round one to the Lions. Bill Z, my source. No one, our colleague Aaron Block once tweeted out a picture of the Lions defensive line. I think they're pretty set there, right? And they have been. They've had good players up there for a while. What they don't have is coverage. Um, oh, what they don't. What they need are tackling, tackling corners. That's, I really wish the Falcons would have heard my advice in 89 and not drafted Sanders because he couldn't tackle. Right. Speaking of uh, corners, a lot was made of Byron Murphy being too slow to play zone corner. I'm struggling to remember uh, players from the Pac-12 who are good zone corners that weren't necessarily speedsters. Can't remember any. Yeah, there aren't any. Um, we never like talk about draft analysts being too slow. 
Well, <laughs> it's a slippery slope. So they're all slow. Doug's Bunny, OG, four days ago. Starting to prefer you guys over Steve and Sam slash Mike. Nice. Restore the Roar said Steve Palazzolo and Mike Renner are the only two PFFers worth listening to. One pride. So, And, of course, Justin McCollum, who is similar to my friend Vince, who emailed or texted me the other day asking me if I knew who the owner of the New Jersey Generals was, part of the joke. Eric repping the NJ Generals T is the truth, to which you in our show notes just wrote no. Yeah. Um, but congrats on that. I'm yeah. glad someone likes your T-shirts. Yeah. Also, I look incredible. San Antonio Commanders coming I, in the mail. I look real, real shiny right now, thanks to... Uh, I'm going to blame the pool. Was it Swim Thursday? Swim Thursday. Let's talk a little bit about um, O-Lineman. The article, we've, we've talked about this a couple of seasons now in a row, but um, the stability, the, the predictability from college to pro of, of O-Lineman um, and sort of just from pro to pro. But there are some things that you know, bring up. There are some questions about it, right? So you should go, if you haven't read the article, go check it out. Profballfocus.com, I think it came out. Uh, maybe 10 days or so ago. Um, but O-linemen are tricky because there's only so many spots in the NFL to play O-line. Yep. And it's sort of hard to know if a guy that hasn't played is worth a salt or not. Yeah, and you know our colleague Mike Renner, you know, he, he had a very good tweet the other day. He was talking about true pass sets, and he was looking at you know basically defining it as four-plus pass rushers, straight quarterback drop, seven yards or more, no play action, no screens, and took over two seconds for the quarterback to throw. And while like these are like hard cutoffs, in our models, we certainly talk about when we look at a player's performance at the college level, we do regress for things like how, many, how often do they throw quickly. Because I think we, and we talked about this a lot, people, I think, understand what can change a model, but they overweight it, right? So we look at Pat Mahomes playing in the, in the Big 12, and we say, well, he can't play in the NFL because he's a Big 12 quarterback. Or Baker Mayfield, you know, he right. can't play in the big. He, he can't play in the NFL, and it's like, well, no, you have to weigh the. the you have to downgrade him, but properly. Um, and so Mike looked at this and he said, you know, okay, where do these guys grade on those plays? And it pops up. You know, Reisner had 153 of those snaps. He graded a 92 in our system, which is the highest. Andre Dillard a little shy of 90. Jonah Williams about 80. Jawan Taylor, Cody Ford a little lower. And this is exactly what we're sort of getting when we t- try to take these guys on the play level and simulate their fr- you know, rookie years in the NFL a bunch of times. We get sort of that same order, and it's, it's a good thing. You know, when we talk about trying to project to the next level, we have to take the previous data that we have and sort of rip out all the context and then apply context at the NFL level. Uh, and what we've found is we've had some success uh, in doing so. I mean, I thought it was interesting because Mike is a big proponent of Jonah Williams. And in in that spe- specific situation, it doesn't shine quite as bright for, for Jonah Williams. And that's exactly the type of thing that we are working to do. The, the tough thing is that people will overweight everything, as you said. And all you have to do is go watch like Monday morning television during the yeah. football season. And all people are talking about is what just happened and what does that mean going forward? Or, you know, what are these highlight three highlight plays? What does that mean going forward, right? And none of those things are all that predictive. Most of them are actually 
not predictive at all. It's a waste of your time. It's complete noise. Um, but yet it grabs, you know, headlines and stuff like that. So, um, that, that's one of the reasons that we think that Mr. Reisner is numero uno on the tackle, um, list and I uh, would take him over Jonah Williams. Um, despite the fact that we have disagreements in the building about who, you know, I think, and, and some of the stuff, you know, we, we were talking to Mike yesterday and he was like, well, you know, Jonah's playing all these players from Clemson and, sure. you know, and Reisner's playing, you know, almost no one in the, in the big 12. And it's like, well, we also put that in our models, but our model doesn't weight it as highly, uh, at, you know, as, as, you know, he, his observations would, I think the answer is probably somewhere in the middle. And that's why we have scouting priors in our models. Well, um, but even when you fold all of that stuff in, Reisner ends up being, you know, projected as our our best product project as a as a tackle. But also when you swing him into guard, his statistics look pretty good. The interesting thing about projecting a guy to a different position, though, is that it's easier to run block as a tackle, right? So if if he's already good enough to be an NFL pa- pass protector at tackle, don't necessarily move him into guard because it's easier to pass protect there because it's harder to run block so right. like so Reisner's not going to be as favorable as a run blocker to the degree that that matters than if you leave him at tackle so those are all things that you have to consider you also have to consider scheme you know whether he's a power counter man guy or his own guy um but uh you know he he looks good no matter sort of how we distribute things uh relative to the rest of the class so whoever gets him probably back into the first round is going to get a real good player i think do not draft a guard in the first round please Save yourselves. Um, let's talk about the big ish news. I think Sterling Shepard signing is whatever, um, but the Demarcus Lawrence signing mm-hmm. is is a big one for the Cowboys because they've got all of these contracts coming up uh-huh. and a bunch of players. Um, you know, Lawrence was one, Dak, Zeke, Byron Jones, and I've seen on multiple occasions on different programs on different channels analysts ranking the most important of these players and it's very interesting to see almost across the board Zeke comes up as one or two but Lawrence is right there with him in terms of importance followed by Dak and Byron Jones pretty far you know usually at the back end of that list Um, personally Byron Jones to me would be a little higher up He'd be higher than Zeke for sure because of the replaceability. I know people are going to lose their minds over that. Um, but he, I think the question really is Demarcus Lawrence versus Byron Jones. Who are you spending your money on? Yeah, and and the th- interesting thing with that those two positions is we know that edge is more predictable right. than corner, but we think corner is more valuable player for player. The replaceability of Lawrence is probably higher, especially in a draft where it, you know they don't have a first round pick, but in a draft where you have some depth there at you know at, at edge and things like that, um, corner not so much. And the other thing with corner is that you know Jones plays he he's he's so versatile that he gives you a guy who can excel as an outside guy, but he can also play inside where he played his sure. first few years. He can also play safety. Like there's a ton of versatility, and it, on defense you need a lot of good players in the back end. So I think he offers even surplus value there. The thing with Lawrence is, like, we act like he's been a guy who's been this really terrific player for a long time. He has two good seasons under his belt. Jones has one as an outside corner, but he also has, like, you know, he was a a three-sigma athlete, that kind of thing. Like, he's he's also got some things to him. I think the debate between he and Zeke is is a non-starter for me, but the debate between him and Lawrence, like, 
we also know that the 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 market in the NFL is irrational enough where Lawrence is going to get overpaid for his perceived brilliance than Jones would. So again, that sort of like tilts us in the direction of thinking about Jones as being the one that we would actually you know sign first, but ultimately Dallas you know took Lawrence. Yeah, I'm totally with you there. And you brought up one point that I hadn't even thought of yet, which is the ability to sort of get bargain guys at pass rusher. Like they're going to be out there. By the way, Tiger is teeing off at the moment. We are both heavily invested in him not hitting the fairway on his first (laughs) shot. It's going left. Oh, he twirled the club. You know what? He hit the fairway and I'll take it. Dead air? Oh. I'll take it because I'm, I'm. I want to. <laughs> you are see, a Tiger fan. I want to. So see he hit greatness. the fairway. Wow, good for him. Twirled the club, which probably means he's going to be a flaming disaster this week. But um, his first shot was good. Yeah, his first. See, he like always hits in the rough and then recovers. Um, the Byron, but Byron Jones provides for you at a cheaper price something that is more valuable. In that, so I'm willing to take that slightly bigger risk, given that I'm paying less for it. Mm-hmm. Um, than I would for Lawrence and Lawrence, um, he's getting sh- shoulder surgery right right after this. So I, I don't know that signing that big of a contract to that guy without having a quarterback that I think you can be super confident in is worrisome to me. Yeah. Um, and I would be, I am pretty worried about the Cowboys. The Cowboys are an important team for the NFL from a broadcast standpoint because they are America's team and they show up on TV all the time. Yeah. And uh, this could be the start of something that's not great. Well, here's, here's interesting because like, I, I, I also think I think the Cowboys do some things well, right? I think, I think in-game decisions not being one of them, but like, to some degree they, they draft good players, right? Mm-hmm. Every time we've done one of these analyses where we've studied the, the cumulative war of the players that Dallas right. drafts, they draft good players. Here are their top salary earners. I think this is before the Lawrence contract. Maybe not, actually. But it, it, this is with the Lawrence contract. Tyron Smith, trench guy. Zach Martin, trench guy. Cooper, a, you know, already bought a, you know, spent a first-round pick on him, are going to have to extend him for a not, you know. Demarcus Lawrence, Travis Frederick, trench guy. Tyrone Crawford, trench guy. Lyell Collins, trench guy. Right. Robert Quinn, the exact guy that you would replace uh, Demarcus Lawrence with off the street, yep. and then you get down to Zeke before you get to Byron Jones. So, like, are we valuing the right things necessarily here? I don't think so. Well, here, here's the thing: is there's a lot of argument out there for if you have a rookie quarterback that you're starting, you have you have to go spend all this money. Yeah, and that's not true. It's not a binary world. You should, if you are a certain number of percentage points confident in that young quarterback, then yes. But the problem is if you can't be confident in how good that young quarterback is going to be, then you may have to restart because it may turn out that he is bad. And if you are trying to restart with all of this money invested in players that aren't going to be there once you have this this new quarterback, you set yourself a little bit behind the eight ball. And the thing with Dak was he was so good his his first season and but that was so much situation the situation was so ideal there um when the situation has not been ideal he has been nowhere near as brilliant so uh, i think there's a misnomer that zeke is like a catalyst for that situation that makes 
Dak a better quarterback. And I think there's a, a little bit of a misnomer that Amari Cooper is the savior there. I just want to say this for a second. So everyone says, oh, look, the Amari Cooper trade was great. People always just completely neglect the other side of things, which is if you don't trade for Amari Cooper, you may have a cleaner picture of Dak. You have a first-round pick, and your team may not make that run, which may cause you to tear things down. Yep. You may be looking at the Cowboys going with Lincoln Riley and Kyler Murray right now, you know, as a, you know, making a totally drastic change in things. And now it looks like, it, you know, they're going to be saddled. They are going to invest heavily in this iteration of the Cowboys, which, by the way, I, you know, like they made it as far as they made they it. They won eight games out of 11 with Cooper, but I believe that their point differential was actually negative during that time. Like you're talking about. Again, like we talk about this with Seattle all the time, and we like the Seahawks too, but like we're talking about Seattle. When you're rewarded by variance for decisions that can be suboptimal, that's a positive feedback loop that can often cause disappointment in subsequent years. Yep. So I, I think like when you make a trade for Amari Cooper and it helps you win a Thanksgiving game against Washington with Colt McCoy by eight. You're like, oh, look, this is, this is all the reinforcement we need. It's like, well, you won a Thanksgiving game against Colt McCoy by eight, right? It's like, who cares? I mean, that, you, know, you, you win yeah. a, a Thursday night game against New Orleans when New Orleans simply just doesn't play well. And it's mostly your defense that was terrific in that game. Um, you know, it, it's tough. It's tough because I just I don't know like, necessarily you know, if they're – they are certainly like, are they learning from these things? Probably not because – the outcome ended up good for them despite the process. And, and I'm not saying that like all things are doom and gloom for the Cowboys. I just think it's important to look at the other side of things, to yep. consider that just because one thing appears to be working out well so far yep. does not totally mean that the other side of that distribution can't still come yep. to fruition or couldn't have come to fruition. So Cowboys would be a super interesting team to watch. We talked about them for a while. Let's move on to Unstable Stat of the Week. It is brought to us by our good friends, our new sponsors, DraftJizz.com. All 22 eruptions for your all-day-long draft buzz. You want to enjoy the draft season, head to DraftJizz.com. Does that have to be cut out or no? I have no idea. We're going to see if The seeds of football teams are found on DraftJizz.com. I think it... I think it accurately sums up what <laughs> pre-draft Twitter and I'm pretty TV sure I is. made up that like website while being pissed at somebody for being a draftjizz.com proprietor on Twitter. Happens a lot. We're going to talk about um, throwing to open targets because this is actually a more stable component of accuracy relative to throwing into tight coverage. It's similar to the pressure clean situation um, in that one is a more controlled situation, right? If you're throwing to a guy that's open, you are worrying about making the throw the t- into tight coverage. There are so many more things that can sort of, you know, go wrong. You're pressing. It's also a lower sample size. So it's important. Those get highlight reel, th- you know, um, they get put on highlight reels. They get talked about a lot. They're high um, leverage plays. So we care th- a lot about them. Exactly. They can change uh, the way the, the game you know, turns out obviously, uh, but they're not nearly as stable season to season. We have now three seasons worth of um, of accuracy ball location data. So the most accurate quarterbacks. This is 
these are throws that are on the receiver's frame or perfectly in stride, hitting guy perfectly in stride, um, throwing to open receivers. These are receivers with a step or more of separation. Um, a really shocking list here. Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Phillip Rivers, Matt Ryan, Andy Dalton makes the list. Um, Andy Dalton was good last year. I, yeah, he it, was. You know. um, but here's, here's the flip side of that. Most uncatchable throws, throwing to open guys. Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Mitch Trubisky, Dak Prescott, Josh Rosen, Jared Goff, Jameis Winston, Alex Smith. So, you know, there's a there's another side to that coin. Yep. Obviously, not throwing catchable passes is a huge deterrent. There's a big jump between Jackson and Allen, and then a big jump between him and Trubisky, and then even and another jump between Trubisky and Prescott. So it's really those three, Jackson, Allen, and Trubisky on their like own tier. Jackson, almost 20% of his throws to open receivers were uncatchable. Um, we're going to talk about the Bills here in a second. Uh, but I think one of the big things with with Josh Allen, obviously, is the idea that he is, was successful in, in Buffalo, and it might be worth pumping the brakes a little bit. Yeah, I, you know, we we've been we've been getting you know tweet, tweets and things like that about last year's quarterback class and folks being like, "Well, how are you guys responding to being wrong about Allen?" You know, like how are you? You know, well, how are you responding to I, it? I, you know, and and there's there's an interesting aspect to it. Like when we talk, you know, looking at like the. Looking at like the EPA per play for Buffalo offensively, they were thirty first, thirty first in passing. They were, but they improved with Allen on the field. They were just like twenty fifth in those games that he started, and twenty second in passing offense EPA. A lot of that has to do with him running. We know scrambles are very uh, effective when they happen, but like the idea that Allen is this sort of like brilliant, you know, he proved everybody wrong. Hey, Jalen Ramsey, do you still think I'm whack kind of thing? Like, right. It, it's, it's, you know, you, you know, 19, you know, 1983 called, they want your passing statistics back. I mean, like, you know, f- less than 53% completion, more interceptions and touchdowns. That's like just simply not going to cut it in a net. Like, you know, right now, I think like Josh Allen still to me comes to Jake Locker and, and probably worse to be honest with you. And, and so I think Buffalo fans probably need to pump the brakes a little bit before uh, you know they, they take a victory lap on this draft pick, especially considering how down the AFC East was last year and how many wins they were able to get in that division. Despite um, you sound like a bitter Vikings fan. Have a, having a poor uh, that's what you a are poor offense. bitter Vikings fan. Here's here's the th- here's the thing about um, about our good buddy Josh Allen. If you look at so people often say, oh, but he was so successful running. Runs and sacks are often pulled apart, yeah. and that should not be the case. So if you actually just look at all of his, if you just say, okay, let's, let's lump sacks in there. We're not, you know, it, all the times that he held onto the ball instead of throwing it, they were drastically negative EPA per play, mm-hmm. 3.3 yards per play, which is not going to get it done in the NFL. Yeah. So um, it, it is an interesting way to look at it. I, if I pull out sacks here, which I can do, um, it, it's it's just not representative of what the play you know truly is, right? Because there are so many times that you scramble, and the scramble actually turns into a sack, and so it just gets yeah, yeah. gets thrown out of the sample set. Obviously, if you throw those out, you get closer to seven yards per play, and you're like, oh, that's great, hmm. right? He's fantastic. I you know he's great back there, positive EPA per play, but sacks are a huge part of the game. Often get thrown out. 
Yeah, and you know there there are some refrain like Buffalo did not have a good receiving cores last year. Robert sure. Foster was undrafted, and he ended up being one of their key components. Um, you know, but at the same time, like you know, they ran you know they ran the ball a lot. They did a lot of you know uh, design quarterback runs specifically because Josh Allen's inaccurate. There are going to be games where this game script is not in their favor, right? So, and, and Allen's going to have to drop back and throw the ball on third down and long. And I just don't think necessarily he, you know, has the goods to do that. And, um, you know, that, you know, when you look at, when you look at the bills right now, lined over under at six last year, it opened at seven was bet down to six. They ended up being able to push that looking at it now at six. I think there's going to be a lot of fanfare for the over, right? And well, there's going to be a ton. When we look at when we look at their games, we have them favored or kind of like a put a pick'em in like three of those games, and so and there are some games like where against Cincinnati and Denver, where it's basically a half point on each side. Um, Baltimore at home, you know, New York Jets at home, Miami at home, or sorry, at Miami at New York Jets at Giants. Those are all winnable games, but ultimately, if we simulate this thing, we have Buffalo at under six wins, um, not by a ton, not like a bettable amount, but. Uh, you know, we're not as you know favorable because of those quarterback accuracy issues, because of how how noisy we know running is, uh, and uh, you know how much you know. I think people are down on Miami. People are probably not as far up on the Jets as they should be, mm-hmm. and uh, I think New England obviously is here you know here for a while. So again, like we probably would put Buffalo, you know, as much as they're going to hate us, last place in that division going into next year. Yeah, they're going to hate that. Uh, let's talk a little bit about their their draft slot here. They're in nine. There's going to be some clamoring for, I'm sure, giving give Josh Allen the deep threat that give he up. needs. Give it up. Right? The, the issue with that is when a guy is missing open receivers almost 20% of the time, you might be better off turning to a different area of need. <laughs> yes. And so I think... Uh, Byron Murphy, who we've had mocked there, who we just talked about, right, who has excellent zone skills. He is a potential, you know, multi-year starter yep. for you at at um, at corner. You've already got Tredavious White, who we're going to talk about here in a second, has had one good year. An example of instability of coverage was not great last year. Um, but if you can build a, you know, a, a backbone of coverage, of stopping the pass, you can be a little more successful mm-hmm. given that your offense is not going to be putting up 30 a game. Yeah, yeah, and that, that's exactly true, right? And, and the Bills have been good. So this, is again, shows you, A, you would talk about stability of coverage, but also the, the impact of defense. The yep. Buffalo Bills a season ago were fourth in total EPA allowed defensively, negative .07 EPA per play, ninth in rushing EPA allowed, fourth in passing. Like the most important thing a defense can do, they were good at it. And yet because of, you know, the offensive struggles, because of, you know, issues with turning the football over, all those sorts of things, they were six and ten. And if and you know, when I don't understand how you can have such a successful first round quarterback pick and be thirty first in EPA uh Per, per play on passing plays. And that includes scrambles. That includes yeah. sacks. They're 28th in rushing. Yep. So, like, despite having great coverage, 
they were yeah. still a below average team. But if you look at Tredavious White, for example, so you know, and our 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 colleague Sam was on with Minnesota Radio talking about Xavier uh, Rhodes and how Vikings fans think he's elite and they're pissed, you know, mad about his grades and stuff. White provides another anecdote in this in this realm. Last season, 2017, in coverage, he had a 90.1 grade. He had four interceptions. He had 13 pass breakups. His quarterback rating allowed was 65. Last season, if you just look at his passer, you know, he, he had 30 fewer targets into his coverage. Good. He allowed about eight percentage points more in terms of reception. Not quite as good. But 250 fewer yards, 12, you know, three yards per catch less. It's great. He got better. Only 94 yak. He's a good tackler. All that kind of stuff. Two interceptions, five pass breakups, so not quite as good. Uh, 76 passer rating throwing into his coverage. So every, every player you know, that throws into his coverage turns into Bobby Hebert, right? <sighs> Got to take that when you can. But he had 10 penalties. And like I know, I know that people don't think that that's a big deal, right? Like, oh, what the heck is one illegal contact penalty? Or right. what the heck is one down-the-field pass interference penalty? But that's like, in some cases, that's 70 yards. In other cases, like, we think about, and we, you know, we have a betting product for PFF. We, we watch these games. We know how thin the margins are. One illegal contact penalty on a third-quarter drive that, to take the lead when you think your defense has gotten off the field, it's huge. The win probability added for those is tremendous. And so, while, and, and that's why his coverage grade dropped almost 30 units last year because you know, he had these, these penalties, and we grade them harshly because they are harsh plays uh, on the football field. So Tredavious White, imagine if he reverts back to something towards his mean. They get Byron Murphy to play that other corner. Yep. Micah Hyde was their most valuable player last year uh, in terms of war. Um, they could be, Jordan Poyer, not that far behind as the other safety. They could be a pretty fierce defense, but they shouldn't rest on the Tredavious White laurels. You need tons of corners because there's going to be some years where White doesn't play as well. There's going to be some years if they get Murphy, he's going to be great one year. He's going to be more average the next. And, and, and that's the reason why you load up on these players on the outside. Well, and I think the, the other thing is, okay, if you want to take advantage of Josh Allen, yes, you do have to take shots, right? Because he's not a particularly accurate guy at any level of the field. But you can find guys that can run fast down the field at other places than number nine overall, right? Yep. You don't need DK Metcalf to be that guy. And so to me, the max, maximizing their ability is to do exactly what you just said, right? To say, okay, let's take a good a corner that fits our scheme really well. It's really valuable. We can be even though it's unstable, hopefully in that top tier of defenses in coverage. And then we'll try and win these close games because Josh Allen will hopefully be a good running back and yeah. all these different things, right? Like that's not a sustainable way to win a Super Bowl, but if you're hoping for the the Buffalo Bills to be better next year, yeah. that's their clearest path. To be a Ravens-like team last year, it's not something I would bet on, but it's something that if you're – if conditioned on having Josh Allen, this is what you should do. Uh, and and we, I was talking about this with some friends uh, yeah, a couple hours ago, but the idea of like wide receiver ones don't happen very often in the draft, right? Sure. Like 2014, we got Evans, we got you know Landry, we got uh, Beckham, but like most of the time, wide receivers play a role in an offense. You're a slot guy, you're the outside guy, you know, yep. and like you're far better off not paying a premium for a guy you think can do everything than to take a you know a late round pick and, and get a guy who can do one thing really well, especially in an offense where like your quarterback is a type, right? Your quarterback right, right, right. is not 
a you know uh, your quarterback would not even be able to take advantage of a wide receiver one if it was right in front of his face, right? So you need to you know instead of taking those picks early, you should go later on and find guys who you know would mesh with a quarterback of Josh Allen's type. Talking about the uh, Tre'Davious White thing, you know EPA per target allowed, which is still a team statistic, yes. right? But speaks to the difference in so like we can look at plays that were nullified on those, right? Um, in 2017, it was a negative EPA per play yeah. to target Tre'Davious White on average, and in 2018, it was massively positive, point one three two per play, per target, which is which is a lot, and and obviously interceptions play a role in that. But even if you take out interceptions, which are huge, uh, huge plays, EPA per play allowed on targets in Tre'Davious White's coverage doubled from yeah. 2017 to 2018. So he he is a great example of the variance in coverage. You know, maybe he was playing a little nicked up, who knows, but getting Byron Murphy on the other side would be something that And this is an example of something of where we don't think that Tredavious White's a bad player. Right. We just think he did not grade as well one year and so he's probably not nearly as good as he was in 17 and he's probably not as poor as he graded in 18. He's somewhere in between and that's again why you know, you have to take these things. We're we're measuring performance to the degree that we observe it, and you know, and we do our best to sort of project forward. But you know, he's a I, I would say he's a pretty good corner, especially in that scheme. But you're not going to get 2017 out of him every single year. All right, let's talk about Josh Allen here for a second. I of that rookie class was a solid, solid ways behind. Baker Mayfield, obviously, in terms of wins above replacement, a yep. solid ways behind um, Sam Darnold, yep. and even behind Lamar Jackson. The only guy that he was actually better than was Josh Rosen. And to back that up, I'm going to tell you two stats, two metrics that are stable and where he ranked, and two that are unstable and where, where he ranked. So the two that are stable, grade from a clean pocket and negative, avoiding but negatively negative graded throws, yeah. right? Those are the two most stable things we have from a quarterback standpoint. He was 30th of 35 in grade from a clean pocket. He was 32nd of 35 in avoiding negatively graded yeah. throws, right? Those are characteristics of a quarterback that are sticky, that are consistent, that do a good job of telling you really what this quarterback is. Uh, from a throwing standpoint, those include, right, sacks and all those different things. It's not passer rating. So bottom five of the league in those two things. Two, two data points that are unstable, meaning they're subject to wide swings yeah, from yeah. season to season. Grade under pressure and positively graded yeah. plays. Plays. plays you right. the, you runs, the, too. You have the runs. So grade under pressure, 13th out of 35. Positive uh, play grade rate, 8th. Yeah, yeah. 27-ish percent, right? That's what you're looking at there. So like the he was... On the upper end of variance, there, it, it it could actually get worse. Yeah, yeah. His his positively graded drop back rate, if, if we're, is similar to Drew Brees's and Patrick Mahomes. Like, I mean, you're talking about, and and again, like we know that those things regress. The difference is that Mahomes and Brees are top two in avoiding negatively avoiding graded negatively throws. Grade so the 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 thing the thing about it is is as you said, it could get worse. Yep. And, you know, I know Bills fans will refrain and say, you know, maybe it's something about it. Maybe he's sturdy and like he's he can be good from a, a muddy pocket because he's got all these traits. And we know like year after year after year, people say this about yep. every quarterback who happens to be popping up there. And year after year after year, it ends up being wrong. So 
here's yeah, are we gonna bet the bills under right now is that, i mean <laughs> i mean and here's the thing is is we said this about josh allen coming out coming of out college of- right so his issue was accuracy he, the he and lamar jackson uncatchable throw rate through the roof yep josh allen's uncatchable throw rate last in the nfl right the worst um uh, sorry, last in the NFL in terms of the highest, the highest yep. uncatchable throw rate, right? Ranked last. So, like, it, accuracy is just not something you're teaching at the NFL level. Um, and that is, that's the unfortunate uh, component of, of taking a guy like Josh Allen. You can, you can certainly win in a season with yep. him, right? You can have one of these high-variance seasons. You can have him chucking it deep a ton, taking a ton of shots, and hoping to be on the right side of variance over the course of a season. Um, but it's not a sustainable thing, right? Can I give you a, a blast from the past? Sure. So in, in 1993, Drew Bledsoe was picked first by the New England Patriots, mm-hmm. and Rick Myrer um, was picked right. second uh, by by the uh, Seattle Seahawks. And Bledsoe, as a rookie, like his statistics were not particular. Like he yeah, was under 50 percent completion, similar touchdown interception ratio, and I think he was like five and seven as a starter. And they like. But the Patriots did a lot of NFL things. Like they made him do what he was going to do as an NFL passer. Mm-hmm. Um, and Rick Meyer, on the other hand, played for a Seahawks team that had a really good defense, had a good running game, and and he like was you know a pretty you know good scrambler. You know he averaged five yards of carry, all that kind of stuff. And so like I do like the narrative was always like, well, Rick Meyer. I mean, like look at him, you know. He, he, you know, he's he's going to eclipse a lot of like the expectations, um, and I we never graded 1993, but I would almost venture to guess that you know we would have had this a similar refrains about him, and then so Byer, you know, ended up flaming out, ended up you know I think he lasted you know three and a half seasons in Seattle, ended up going to Chicago, had a had a basically like a backup career after that, um, and Bledsoe of course was a Pro Bowler by year two, making the playoffs and all that kind of stuff, because again like. One season's worth of data, especially when expectations are low. The, the 1992 Seattle Seahawks were like two and fourteen. They had terrible quarterbacks. Guy comes in, he's like, "Okay, this this looks great." And it's like, "Well, you had a really good defense. You had kind of an easy schedule. You, all this kind of stuff." And it's like, "Let's wait till year two. Let's look at let's look at for these stable statistics to start to emerge as the emerging properties of a, of a player, rather than just like after year one declaring victory for going six and ten." I'm I'm declaring victory. That's what it That's what it amounts to. Um anything else on the Bills? Uh well, I mean, we last season we were 1 3 and 1 picking their games. Can I can I briefly lament? So our first pick for the Bills was over 40 and a half at Minnesota. God. I remember you and I being like, "God, are the Bills going to be good enough to get this thing over 40?" Bills were up 27 nothing at halftime. I think the game ended 27-6, and so we did not get that over. Um, we had them plus 10 at Houston in a game they should have won if Nate Peterman doesn't throw a pick six to, to lose the game. We had them as our lock of the week in Derek Anderson's first start, plus 7.5 at Indy. That wasn't good. Um, plus 4 at Miami, which was the game that we got a push, but Josh Allen on a wide-open throw to Charles Clay in the end zone missed him. And then we faded them uh, week 17 against Miami, which was Josh Allen threw a pick six to put Miami back in the game. But ultimately, jo- uh, Ryan Tannehill was not good enough. So this was one, I think, of the of the teams you've gone through so far. This was the one we had a losing record on one, three and one uh, picking Bills game. So, uh, you know, we were wrong about them last year. If you're a Bills fan, maybe we're wrong about them this year. Could happen. I remember taking uh, 
Buffalo in the Super Contest against the Vikings and being like, wow, <laughs> thank God. Glad I got one right. Yeah, yeah, that that was a that was I think the biggest uh, upset in league in like while they were we've been tracking lines yeah, like yeah. plus seventeen and a half was a and then winning that game outright was a pretty was a pretty big stunner. Well, that's why you guarantee eighty four million. Uh, let's move on to the Cincinnati Y segment. Um, I have two stories here that okay. are gym related. And neither of them actually took place at the Cincinnati YMCA. They are both uh, remote locations. Okay. Okay. And I'm curious your thoughts on this. So the first is um, the steam room etiquette. You and I both like the steam room. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was in D.C. and I was at uh, Equinox there. Equinox. I can't speak today. It's probably Tiger. Um, It's got you all flustered. So their steam room's huge. It's massive. You like walk in there and you like can't see the corners of it. So it seems pretty crowded. I walk in, I sit down, and uh, you hear like deep breathing, grunting. I'm like what? What's what is going on? A dude is like doing yoga in the corner of the steam room. That's that's a little much, right? Even the steam room's big. You probably he was fully stretching out. He was doing different things. He was in downward dog at one point. Bit much. So my first my first thing would be like, please, if you're gonna go to the steam room, just close your eyes and, and shut up. I think I think unless it's your own steam room at home, you you are not allowed to do push ups, sit ups. Yoga, downward facing dog, any of those things, any of those things in a public steam room. That's why they have hot yoga, right? Isn't exactly. that like why That's they the made point. hot yoga? Yes. The this is funny because there was an article where someone interviewed Jack Dorsey, and it was like, "What are you know the eleven things that you do? You should go read it because it's absolutely comical." But one of the things he talks about are these like two saunas that he has at his home, and he goes from sauna to ice bath and back and forth. And yeah, basically, yeah. the guy doesn't work; yeah. he just does random weird things. Um, but if you're Jack Dorsey and you have a sauna at home, do whatever the heck you want in your sauna at home. Just just don't do it. Just and, don't put it. Just don't post it on Medium. Like no one cares. No one cares. Okay, now here's the the other story I have, which I think is we may be onto something here. So. I'm in the gym at my apartment. Okay. And uh, I'm uh, doing a, I'm warming up. I'm riding the bike. A couple comes in and starts jogging in front of me. And so I'm not really paying attention, um, but they turn the, the audio up on the TVs. Okay. So I can hear the TV. So all of a sudden I look up. The TVs are on these shows about like obese people. And like it's like chronicling their like desire to get some surgery or whatever, mm-hmm. but it's like really graphic. Like you see the these massive humans, like you know, God bless them, like whatever. Like they clearly have diseases, right? I mean, they're huge, right? They're like, yeah, you know, yeah. thousand pound people. So, what about a gym where you just set the TVs to always play replays of these shows as motivation? Like, I'm not in, thank God, in danger of becoming massively obese, but I was extra motivated whenever I happened to look up and see the screen, so I'm pushing a little bit harder every time I do something. Okay, but given our line of work, what if we 
in film rooms around the NFL posted on loops teams running the ball in second and long. Wow. And then the third down condition they end up in You've as a result. You've taken this to the next level. What if we... We just apply this everywhere. What if we... What if we like... You know how like those like, you know, uh, I remember this in like Boy Meets World back in the day where like Eric Matthews was listening to like a weight loss tape and he's like, you don't have to be afraid of food and all this kind of stuff. What if we like in in NFL rooms just had teams going for it on fourth down up on the screen and making it and being like, look, fourth down has no control over you. Like, it's okay. I I think it's great. The only thing I wasn't sure about was... The couple that came in, God bless them, were, were a little... It's like videos of fake punts. They just, were a little chunky, and it didn't seem like they were exactly pushing that hard. Well, what it might so do is if you're a little chunky, what it might do is like lure you into a false sense of security. Yeah, you're like, oh, well, actually, I'm not that big, and if it really gets bad, I can just get surgery. So, so like, I'm not sure. The jury's like, still We, we got to make sure that none of those videos in Coach's office is like Mike Singletary operating. Sure. You're like, well, at least I'm better than Mike Singletary. Coaching the Memphis Express could go could go south real quick. That that was my takeaway um, from the gym. O- overall, I actually think having TVs and gyms is a disaster because people you just, don't like Stephen A. Just like over the top of you while you're trying to do a, a hand clean. If you have the ability to watch Stephen A. while working out, you're not really working out. Oh, interesting. Yeah, that's probably fair. It's my take. Like, I li- I, I, I'm I'm fine with. Hey, I'm gonna do. You know, I'm going to hop on the bike and it's like, okay, you know, it's a recovery session, whatever it is. Maybe I'm going to go hard. I'm going to do some sprints. So I like won't be able to pay attention at certain points type Uh deal. But like if you're really trying to get in there and be efficient. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like my favorite thing to do at the gym is to, you know, run and watch an old football game on YouTube. Right. You're welcome. Yeah. Get you out of that. uh, Get you out of that zone. All right. That's what we've got next week. Uh, we're gonna tr- we're gonna have to find a time to do this remotely because we're actually gonna be traveling. I thought we're gonna be traveling this week. Traveling next week. So um, shoot us some questions uh, on Twitter. Get ready for the draft. Enjoy the Masters. Tiger has a birdie putt. Let's go. Now is the chance to use reliable energy to grow your money with the Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. Our new investment product offers competitive returns, no maintenance fees, and flexible online access to your money. Make the reliable investment in reliable energy. The Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. To find out more, go online to reliabilityinvestment.com. That's reliabilityinvestment.com. Have you been wanting to lose weight and get healthy? Now's the perfect time to start Nutrisystem. Enjoy your favorite foods made healthier, delivered free to your door. Right now, you can get Uniquely Yours Ultimate, our most complete foolproof plan at an amazing price. Order today and save 50%, plus get an extra $40 off. Go to Nutrisystem.com save and discover what millions of people already know. Nutrisystem works. Limitations apply. See website for full offer details.